It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Reynolds. Doug, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thanks, Laban. Thanks for having me, man. Well, we are in esteemed company here, Doug, as the current CEO and co-founder of Low Carb USA. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a hell of a journey. And you are co-founder with your beautiful wife, Pam Devine, who will be coming on the show uh, later this year. Yes, that's right, yeah. I suppose the obvious start is how the hell did Low Carb USA come about? Oh, it's it's an, it's quite an amazing story, actually. You know, I was a I was a distance runner back in South Africa. For the people who are uh, familiar with that, they have a thing called the Comrades Marathon, which is like a cult there. And um, I started I started running that, and in the end, continued once I'd moved to the states. I went back. I'd run five, and I came to the states, and I continued to go back and run it again until I'd run ten. Is what they do is when you run 10, they retire your number and you get a big thing with a, uh, um, a laurel wreath on it and they, and they print your number on it and everything and it's, it's kind, of, kind of special. But in those, at the, during that time, I used to think I was bulletproof. You know, I used to eat as much as I wanted, anything I wanted, and it was almost all carbs. And... Um, I, I, I sort of varied within about a couple of pounds, about a kilo or so, um, right throughout the year. And there was no variation in my weight or anything. And, but then as I started to get into my later 40s, um, I found that I was putting on a little bit of weight each, each year and not being able to get it off again, you know. And then it didn't matter how hard I was running, um, I used to think I wasn't running hard enough and I was being lazy and um, ach, my knees were getting sore and I started to feel like a slug. And um, I stood on the scale at one point and I was 35 pounds. So what's that? About 15 kilos or so over my weight that I used to be back in my early thirties when I was doing all of this running. And I was horrified. Uh, and just within a couple of days of that happening, I got an email that said that was titled uh, "Ketones, an alternative source of fuel to glucose," and I, it was just at the right time for me that it piqued my interest, you know. And it was actually someone trying to sell me uh, exogenous ketones, but I didn't even know what a ketone was. I'd never heard of a ketone. That's dinkum the truth, right? What a piano it's, makes, isn't it? 
yeah. yeah. So I started, I started researching it and I like buried myself in all the research and the, the, the technical papers, the medical papers and all that stuff. And after about three weeks, it was like, dude, this, this like explains everything. It explains all the stuff I'm struggling with right now. And it also explains back in my 30s when I used to be incredibly fit. And I would come to the start to just before the race and I would follow Tim Noakes' uh, three-day carbo-loading regimen and feel like absolute rubbish on the day of the race, you know, and be thinking, I've got 55 miles and 90 Ks to run up that mountain. And I, I don't even feel like I can get to the corner. And um, so it, it was it was just the right time for me. And so I started, I just pulled the trigger. I mean, they it was a brand new company and they'd actually run out of stuff. So I couldn't even order the, the exogenous ketones. But I'd learned so much about the, the ketogenic lifestyle and the ketogenic diet that to me, it made more sense to actually just do the diet, right? And so I, I took Pam shopping and which was hor- which horrified her, um, and, and she was even more surprised that I actually had a list, and um, and we went and bought all of this stuff, all the fatty meats. I used to buy the leanest meats possible. Suddenly, I was buying, you know, the the ribeye steaks with all the fat on it. The more fat, the better. And um, going around the outside of the, the outside aisles of the of the of the shop, you know, and getting full Greek yogurt, full cream Greek Greek yogurt, and heavy whipping cream and um, I, it, it, it was just, I remember the, the very, very first meal we had, I, um, we had a fire out, uh, outside and I went and cooked these two steaks and I remember coming back into the house and they were sitting on the plate and there was, there was like all this, because there were ribeyes, right? They had all this fat on it. Plus there was like all this fat, like slushing around in the bottom of the plate. And I, I have a, such a vivid memory of this where I actually started giggling, like hysterically. Like, am, am I seriously going to eat this? <laughs> um, and the first few bites, I literally had to gag it down because of that my, I'd programmed my brain to hate fat so much that it, 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 it was hard for me to actually eat that steak. But like, I got about halfway through and I was like, you know what, this actually tastes pretty good. And by the end of it, I was loving it. And that was the very first thing. I n- never looked back, you know. Um, but about uh, within five months, the 35 pounds came off. Um, but not only that, I found all sorts of, I started running again, like within about two weeks. And that got better and better and better as, as I became more fat adapted. And as, you know, as the weight started to come off as well, I started really enjoying running again. Um, but my respiratory issues started clearing up. I stopped snoring, um, which made Pam really happy. Um, you know, skin issues that I was having on my ears and all sorts of other little things started to clear up as well. All the pain in the head of my knees, a lot of pain in my knees. It was actually making it really difficult for me to run that, just evaporate. I was running way more than I was running before I started this. And yet my knees cleared up completely. I didn't have any pain in my knees. I still don't have any pain in my knees. And, you know, and, and it was like five months later and I was, we were sitting, it was my birthday, actually. It was the beginning of January in 2016. And 
I was saying to Pam, like, how is it possible that I didn't know about all of this? And I, there were a couple of little conferences around the country, like maybe up to 100 people or something that were talking about it. But it seemed like the same bubble of people that were, that were going around. And I sort of had picked this up by following all the social media stuff about, about the ketogenic diet. And I started pounding my fists and saying, we need to put a thousand people in there. You know, it's like people need to know about this. And that was how it started. The next day, I literally, I wrote to, to I thought I'd, I'd get a core of, of high profile speakers and then we'd have something to, to build this on. And I wrote to a few people and um, Jimmy Moore was actually the guy that, that responded first. Like within about 10 minutes, he said, how can I help? And what he did for me was introduce me to a bunch of these people. I'd never even been to a low-carb conference before. I knew how to put on conferences, and Pam and I had been doing that for, for the previous for the work that the job that we were in at the time. But I didn't know that the low-carb space at all. Um, and I wrote one of the people I wrote to was Gary Taubes. And um he got back to me after a couple of days and uh and I kind of just looked him up on his website and said, contact me, you know. Um, and so he, he was going backwards and forwards, trying to fill me out and I see what I knew and not, which was nothing. Um, and eventually he agreed to, to speak, to, um, to get on the call on a phone call with me. And part of his interaction had been how much did I understand how, you know, that some of those guys require an honorarium to speak and how much it was, and I and I was aware of that, um, and so now I was also aware of how how, mu how much his time was worth, right, to him. And we spent an hour on the phone, and I I I, I tease him often when I introduce him at, at when he speaks at, at some of our events. You know, is that it? It was like he was like I'd asked to marry his daughter. You know, <laughs> he was like interrogating me. Um, but we got to the end and he said, okay, if you, if you put this on and you, you, know, you make it happen, then I'll come and speak. And uh, he also agreed to do it at, uh, yeah, he gave, me a, he, he gave me a significant, agreed to a significant discount. And we, I put the phone down and I looked at Pam. She was standing in the, in the hallway, in the corridor, like listening. I had the thing on speaker while I was talking to him. And I looked at her and I said, shit, this is good. This is real. You know, we, we actually, it looks like we actually have to put this thing on. That was the turning point. His, his faith in me um, made me believe that, 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 that I was doing something right here. And yeah, I mean, we, we, I had to establish a domain, create a website, establish a social media presence. Um, and we put it on in six months. We put it on at the end of July, that same year. Um, we didn't get a thousand people in the room. We got about 350, but that was still significantly more than any of the other conferences at the time. And um, to do that in six months, people had to talk me off the ledge about the fact that I was so disappointed that we didn't get a thousand people. <laughs> but but I, had, I had to look back and say, you know what? We still did something pretty great here. And the, the environment and the camaraderie and the community that we started to develop already from that point onwards um, with all those people that came to that first event was just astounding. Um, and yeah, it's just, 
And the idea in the beginning was just to put on a conference to, to reach other people. And um, Pam was saying to somebody earlier today, it's like literally we've done this, this virtual one that we plan to do for what was to be the Boca event in January will be our 15th conference. So, wow. Um, but there's so much other stuff that I'm sure we'll get to that's even more, way more important than, than these conferences that we do. Well, Doug, I must say, like, uh, uh, you're a man after my own heart, or I'm a man after your own. Like, <laughs> I love the 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 balls, and 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 the and I think the the thing that strikes me about this community, right, is that there's so many people like Gary that that see the value in giving people that have a spark or a passion to improve not only their own health but people around them. And the generosity in this community is unbelievable. And I and I firmly believe that it ties in to the fact that the majority of us are really healthy. And when you're healthy physically, like mentally, it's a natural progression to want to try and pay that forward in some way. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. It, it's just, it's like a very, it's a very special community, you know. Um, I... There's a couple of things I can I can go on about here. Um, when I did my, um, it was the opening remarks for the 2017 event in, in in West Palm Beach, and one of the big things that I've had is that I had a very severe motor vehicle accident when I was about 22, and I suffered a massive brain injury. And what's become known now as traumatic brain injury, back in those days, they didn't even know about it. And so um, I, I suffer with that a lot, with an especially short-term memory. And, and for me, the biggest thing is going blank. And it might even, even happen while, while we're talking here. But you know, if I have another um, idea going on in my brain while I'm talking, it, then it, it, suddenly I don't, know, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. And so... Um, it's it hasn't gone away, but it is way better than it was um, before I started this. Uh, and you know, hopefully, I, I, I continue to improve, but I don't expect to be completely healed from it. But um, I remember saying uh, I was telling people about this in in my in opening remarks in my testimonial and. It kind of happened to me right there, you know, and I and I said to them, "You see that it, it just happened right now." Luckily, within a short time, I, I I got it back what I was talking about. Sometimes it doesn't; it never comes back. Um, but I, I said to them, "I think uh, it the fact that I'm talking to you people and that you are such a cool crowd. Part of part of my co uh, comfort with." with being vulnerable up on the stage was because of the type of people that you are. Um, and and it, it, I hadn't planned to say that. It just kind of came out while I, while I was talking, you know. Um, and at that, that same conference, uh, the lady that, uh, that was our liaison with the hotel was the same one from... Uh, this must have been 2018 because it was the same one from the year before. And 
so they she told us that during they have a debrief after after an event you know with all the staff back office uh, uh the cleaners the the kitchen staff all of those people and they talk about the event and 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 try and work out how to do things better the next time sort of thing and she said that every single different group within the within the hotel all of them said without a doubt that this was by far the best group of people they'd ever had in, at an event at their hotel and these are people these are the staff guys the, those kinds of, of staff members are, are there forever right and they're having like three four sometimes five events in a week over years and years and years and they're talking about the fact that this is the the best group of people that they've ever that they've ever had to work with and Pam said something about, yeah, uh, eat, eating butter and drinking cream or something makes people happy. <laughs> um, uh, as a, when she made that comment, but it it's always stuck with us, you know that um, that we we've, we've hugely privileged to be working with such an amazing community of people. And somehow I don't know what it is. I think it's I don't know whether it's the kind of person, especially we got a lot of doctors and stuff. Maybe it's the kind of the kind of doctor that is should have been an engineer, you know, that looks at the stuff and says, "But this isn't working. Why not?" You know, or or they try something on themselves that other doctors are afraid, even though they see it works for them, they're still not prepared to take it to to their patients because it's not standard of care. But the ones that do have the guts to do it is a different kind of person to the one that doesn't have the guts to do it. Yeah, and so maybe it's a it's a it's a natural selection process that the type of person that seems to, against the grain, acknowledge the, the potential of this and, and have the guts to, to go and actually do it um, is a different type of person. I don't know. Are we still trying to work out why it is that, and maybe it is just that carbs relaxes your brain so much and does away with the anxiety and the depression and all those things that sometimes make people horrible people sometimes, and they're not horrible anymore. I've never really worked it out 100%, I must say. Well, it's really interesting you bring that up, Doug, and I've got a weird theory that's unproven at this point, but I feel like the chronic illness that comes from from poor diet, the depression and anxiety, and certainly the stuff that leads to wanting to take your own life, right, Mm -hmm. and thankfully I've never been in that position, I feel like um, when you break it down from a purely evolutionary perspective, point of view that it's nature's way of just saying you're not suitable to reproduce and so I'm going to take you out of the 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 supply chain which I know sounds pretty brutal and I'm not not like labeling this on anyone and I wouldn't wish this on anyone but I really feel like it's the evolutionary cycle just saying you know what we want healthy fit you know strongest strong fittest survival you know that mm-hmm. um, Darwin's theory right and right. and and maybe maybe that is part of it. Maybe it's the body just saying, until you put the right fuel in there, I'm going to take this take me out of the gene pool. Mm. Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, I, I hadn't looked at it from the the Darwinian aspect, but that's actually an interesting thought. I got loads of these uh, <laughs> ideas that are coming to my mind, but because um, I've I've uh, only just taken to running in the last two and a bit years, Doug, and I know right. that you've run 
Have you counted exactly how many marathons and ultras you've completed? I've, I, I stopped counting at 100. Wow. <laughs> so I've, I, I probably run, yeah, but I'm probably about 110 or so, but about 35 of those are uh, ultra marathon distances. So sort of um, 56K to 56 Ks to 100 Ks, that's sort of, or to 90 something Ks. That's the, yeah. So that's there's 90, range. 90 or 100, your biggest one? Yeah. So the Comrades is, is uh, I think the longest it's been is about 91 point something. And the, yeah. the up, they alternate directions each year. So the up run, when you start down in Durban and run up to Peter Maritzburg, is a bit shorter, but it's a lot, lot more uphill. Um, so they kind of start down outside the, the city hall. In, in each of the cities and then end up on some uh, sports ground somewhere uh, for the finish in the, in the other city. So there's, because of those different endpoints and start points, there's a couple of kilometers difference in the, in the up and the down run. But yes, around 90 Ks is the, is the distance for it. It's a, it's a phenomenal achievement, and, um, you know, people might say that the as you were getting older, you know, because of the amount of distance you've been running and the number of ultras and marathons that, you know, it's only natural that your body starts to break down. The fact that we believe this, this misinformation is half the issue, I think. Um, the brain's very powerful, and if we keep telling ourselves that certain things are going to happen because we're old, guess what? Right. Um, but I, I found the opposite, you know, in terms of my Benjamin Button-esque body, um, I'm seeing to be getting better with age. I, I totally feel, you know, I feel that way. It was like, um, you know, the running had kind of was reduced because I was hating it so much and it was hurting me so much. Um, but we were doing martial arts as well. And um, we were doing like double, like back-to-back lessons twice a week instead of going four times a week like we did two back-to-back lessons so it was like at night i'd get home at 8 30 at night and i would be wrecked man and kind of crawl into bed and the next day i could hardly get to the to the toilet you know um and i remember sitting there with my head in my hands thinking god i'm getting old um and when i started keto within two weeks I would come back from one of those martial arts sessions, go to bed, five o'clock in the morning, I'd bounce out of bed and go for a run. And it was like, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, how, do you, how do you explain that? And by that stage, I'm 51, 52 years old, right? Uh, and then we started doing, and I told you to look up Dr. Ben, right? He's to Dr. Ben Bokikio. We started to incorporate his workout philosophy, he's, he's, I, you know, when most people start the, the ketogenic diet, everybody tells them it's not about exercise, it's only about the, the diet, you know. Um, and, but most of the time when people look at exercise, they're talking about endurance exercise. But what Dr. Ben talks about is high intensity exercise and not just into high intensity exercise, but high intensity exercise done right. And he literally has a protocol where he does one set of, of, an, of an exercise for each major muscle group that you choose the weight so that you fail between 30 and 90 seconds. But you, one of the things he taught me when he finally like, coached me personally 
was what failure really is, because a lot of us give up and think we've, we're failing, but we're not really. But if you genuinely go to failure in that, in that time, and you literally then move immediately onto the next one, you complete the exercise regimen in, in less than 15 minutes, and then you do it twice a week. And I remember when I started doing that in the July, August, September, October, November, we did an event in Seattle. And I'd had a Dexcom, a, 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 what's it called? A, a DEXA scan thing done uh, literally the day after I did my very first uh, workout with him. Three months later at the event in Seattle, they, I did it again. And I put on four pounds of, of muscle and lost another fat, another pound of fat in that, in that three months. I hadn't changed. I was eating exactly the same not feeling ravenous and eat like, you know, when you run a lot and that I used to eat like an absolute pig um, <laughs> because I, because I was hungry. Yeah. But I, I never got hungry now. I, in fact, you know, I would go to the gym, Pam and I would go and work out and come back at two o'clock in the afternoon and sit and work until six before, before we had supper, not thinking, God, I'm starving or any of that. Just didn't even think about it. You know, twice a week, 15 minutes, twice a week. And I've continued. I'm about 15 pounds up now on, on what I was before when I first started it. I'm stronger now at 56 than I have ever been in my life. So nobody can tell me that. And, and the reason I started looking, before I started working with Dr. Ben, I was already trying to do some weights because I, st I started to feel like I was going this downhill thing, you know, like as you get older, like you, you atrophy and you become, you become weak and useless. And I remember when I was young, I used to be able to jump up on a, on a period, on a set of dips bars and like just pump out like 20 dips without even thinking about it. Not because not that I was working out or anything, but just that that was easy. Yeah. And I remember getting up in the dip spot. In fact, it was at the martial arts studio and the guy got a new multi-gym thing in that had dips bars on it. And I jumped up there to do some dips and I went, I got down like about the second one and I couldn't freaking get up again. <laughs> and I thought, shit, man, this is ridiculous. So I started trying to do weights, but all that was happening was I was doing five sets of this and four sets of that. And I was just getting really sore. And that just made the running even more difficult, you know? And so I, I was hating everything at that before I started this. Well, and now I, and people don't believe me. But I genuinely work out 15 minutes, like the, the high intensity, 15 minutes twice a week. And this is the result. I'm, I'm way stronger than I used to be. Well, I, I say this a lot in this low-carb community, Doug, but you look fantastic for 56. I, I, oh, thanks. No way I would have picked you for 56. But this is just indicative of someone who's had three, four, five years of Eating this way, you know, and like I agree. Just totally. to give people an idea. What what's a day to day uh, regime food wise for you, roughly? Um. So, uh, sometimes I'll eat something uh, between about noon and two o'clock, and it'll normally right? be something quite small. No, I started a couple of years ago. Um, so I used to, way back, I used to make this, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I used to make biltong. Oh, yeah. So South Africa, South Africa, right, you guys know about it, right? So I started making my own again a couple of years ago. So there's always biltong in the fridge. 
Um, and more that I need a break from, from working because I get up at 4.30 and I start, I start working. And sometimes by 12, between 12 and 2, it's like it's almost an eight-hour day already, you know. And so I'll need a break. And, and I'll go and grab something from the fridge out of, just out of boredom and, trying to, and needing something to get my mind off working. Um, and so now, but if I eat something now at lunchtime, it's, it's built on. So I'll chop up a couple of ounces of built on, which is now effectively double that in, in terms of, of real meat. So I mean, I take two ounces of built on, that's, it's like a, a four ounce steak, right? And that's, um, and that's what I'll eat. And then, but we pretty much eat once a day um, at, at night. Normally you're around five or six. Um, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, we recently have, have become more moving more and more and more towards the carnivore side, um, eating less and less vegetables. Uh, <laughs> I, in fact, I, I very rarely eat anything. Pam, <laughs> Pam makes some sometimes just for some variety or whatever. But to me, I, I, like, I, I look in the, in the fridge or the freezer there and I'm looking for something. I say, what's all this bloody vegetation doing here? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Uh, Every now and then she'll make some spinach with a bunch of cheddar cheese in and stuff, and it tastes fabulous. And so every now and then I'll have a couple of spoons of that. I I am a big avocado fan, so um, that's the one thing that I, that I eat pretty regularly. That's not meat, <laughs> um, but yeah. It's, otherwise, it's 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 meat and cheese. You know, big uh, a big ribeye steak. And I've started to learn a lot about a, a lot more. Now we just moved recently um, out of a out of a uh, communal complex into a, a standalone house now, and so I'm starting to get back all my brying barbecue stuff from from the old days. You know, South Africans and and Australians are the same. You know, they're all about their barbecue and and cooking meat on a fire and all of that kind of stuff. So, but I've been learning a lot about smoking stuff and all of that. So I'm I'm aching to to start. Uh, ordered so many bits and pieces of stuff that I need. I'm waiting for Amazon to deliver it so I can start smoking some ribs and some uh, doing tri-tips and doing a bunch of other stuff that uh, um, that I'm really aching to do. But it's all meat. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love this, Doug, and, I, and um, I've been on my own dirty carnivore um, journey for the last – uh, it's just over two years now, and, mm -hmm. and dirty carnivore is just for, for anyone listening is like you're not you're not exclusively animal protein. We're talking about not just beef here. We're talking about fish and chicken and shellfish and uh, eggs and anything from an animal really, and, and whatever you can tolerate. Some people are better with certain stuff than others. But yeah. during May of this year, 2020, I went lion diet for six weeks, and. My I lost eight kilos of body fat and five and five percent um, body fat, so I got down to about thirteen percent, uh -huh. and I was running about a hundred and ten k's a week, and on zero carb, and um, and and I suppose being in lockdown created a few challenges because I started to incorporate some honey. Because I've always mm -hmm. I've been pre-diabetic for a while, and the the fastest way for me to, to reverse that is just to go 
zero carb. And, I, and I've been able to reintroduce some plants, but I haven't felt anywhere near as good as when I go full zero carb. Mm-hmm. There's just something magical happens inside my body when I don't compromise. And I'm only talking about adding a few organic mushrooms and some onion, organic onion, right. like cooked into a into a, um, a bone broth and to made into a gravy that I pour over the steak. You know, like mm-hmm. it's um, even that even that is 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 making a difference. Like you feel less good and you start doing that. Profound, like profound. Wow. From a from a cognitive function point of view, from a an energy level point of view, from a fat loss point of view, like I seem to stack on weight very quickly because I'm eating a lot of calorically dense food in the form of meat as well. I'm like you ate mm-hmm. a lot of red meat. Like I think I eat seven times the recommendations <laughs> per week of protein. Oh. And um but but I've put on uh, it's about 10 kilos of lean since I've adopted this keto carnivore lifestyle mm-hmm. through verified through DEXA scans and biometric scans and half a kilo of skeletal bone density. And and that's been largely doing a catabolic exercise in the form of running, right? So because I don't do weights, I do body weight uh, twice a week, but I've only been doing it for about three months. Prior mm-hmm. to that, I was just doing running. Um, and so, so how have I put on all this muscle and it's, and it's to do with the, the, the amount of protein that I'm getting is bioavailable. I'm not bastardizing it with the, with the carbohydrate. That's, that's my theory that's been confirmed by a few. Yeah. You know, and, um, it, it could just be that you, you know, you, you're moving more now that you're not, you don't have all the inflammation, you don't have the extra weight, um, it's just so much more fun to move and you you don't even without realizing it you're just much more active and you use you're using your muscles again like you weren't using before and so that they automatically then and then there's a point of homeostasis right so they 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 i'm like me i'm not going to continue to keep putting on weight but at some point uh you get to that 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 optimum strength and, and size or whatever that uh that your muscles are supposed to be yeah, um, like they should have been had you been eating right since since you were little, you know. Um, so it, it it could be part of that. I um, you 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 are you providing for your body everything that it needs. And so what what was actually happening before is that you were sarcopenic. You were actually um, uh, probably um, cannibalizing some of the some of the own protein because you weren't getting enough um, from what you were eating. And so that 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 could be another explain where you were you haven't you've you've kind of just normalized back to what you should have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that you because you were you um depriving yourself of, of all these nutrients and especially amino acids, that you, your body what was actually withering away. Yeah. You know, the muscles were withering away. And so they've just come back to what they to what they should have been now that you that you're eating right. Well, it's funny because uh, Paul Mason and Professor Noakes and, and Professor Peter Bruckner all tend to agree on my theory with the the, the um, skeletal bone density because I was on medication for 17 years for reflux. Wow. Uh, Omeprazole, Somac or Losec, whatever, which, whichever one you want to call it, Zantac um, type of stuff, which is a proton pump inhibitor. And the medication now has a bunch of side effects, which include malab- malabsorption of iron, 
B12 and calcium. And so I think that my skeletal system was leaching calcium to help make up the, the lack of availability. And now it's reaching that homeostatic place again where I'm You're the right. size that I that from an evolutionary point of view, because I got you should always have been exactly yeah, I got Viking, Scottish and you know, Viking roots, and they would have been pretty tough bunch, you know, like so and I'm 40. <laughs> And I'm in the best shape I've ever been in my life. Yeah. So that everybody that everybody that's doing this is kind of the saying. It doesn't matter where they are in life. They they say they felt better than they've ever felt before. So you can't. How can you argue with that, right? Well, this is it. Um, this next part I'm pretty keen to explore, Doug, and something that I'm uh, very excited about. You are, I presume, at liberty to talk about this next amazing project that you and, and Pam are about to launch. Yes. Um, so we yeah. did mention it at the event that we did a couple of months ago in, in San Diego. But just at that stage, we were actually hoping to have it ready to launch by that event. But uh, stuff always takes longer than you than you expect. But yes, I, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm very keen to talk about it. Well, it's called the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. Practitioners, correct. What's so, it all about? <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, you know, uh, one of the, I was talking earlier about I've done, we've done much more important things than, than the events. And one of the things that we did was to to team up with Adele Height, who's now Dr. Adele Height. Um, long story through Gary Taubes actually put us together because he wanted to do an, an at the next San Diego event, which is at that point, upcoming 2018, he wanted to try and have a session where we got feedback from doctors who were trying it in practice to see what their challenges were, what their successes were, and, and et cetera. Um, he agreed to be a part of it, even though he'd already done a talk, um, mainly because it was it was his idea and it was I could have given him good feedback for the book that he was writing. He suggested that I get Adele to help me mediate that that session because he's obviously been talking to her a lot about this. And she had this thing and I wrote to her and asked her if she'd mediated. She had this, she sent me this two-page word document, brain dump, of all her ideas about um, establishing standard of care around carbohydrate reduction. And it was like, Adele, like seriously, I just asked you to, if you'd help mediate this this session, you know. Um, but the more I read and the, the, I read this document over and over and over again, and it's all the things that, she, that the, the, the biggest thing was her official legal definition of standard of care, um, which she had received from a, a judge at a court case where she was on the jury, uh, a malpractice suit. And so the judge explained to them what standard of care meant. And it, uh, I wish I'd actually pulled it up and thought about it. Um, but it basically says that standard of care is what is a consensus amongst a community, community of physicians in a similar environment with similar training. It's not about, they explicitly says it's not what they taught in college. It's not, it's not even about some set of clinical guidelines, although that can help form the consensus. But it is about what these physicians agree 
and what they actually do in practice. That is what standard of care means. So if you took 100 doctors and you polled them and said, okay, if, if somebody's LDL is, is this, what would you do? And 99% of them will say, put them on statins. That's standard of care. And um, so what she, what she wanted to do was start building this community and, and creating a, a community of people that have these conversations around carbohydrate reduction so that we can establish over time this consensus, which would then be an alternative standard of care. And the first step in that thing was to, to develop um, a set of clinical guidelines for, uh, for physicians to help them, to give them guidance if they decide they want to practice this therapeutic, what they call therapeutic carbohydrate restriction in their practice as an intervention of some kind, as an, as an option, at the very least as an option to their patients. And we put together a board of advisors of about 15 different people from around the world, Tim Noakes, Gary Fetke, David Unwin, uh, some really, really um, high-flying, you know, established people in this community. And she started writing this document and basically bouncing it off them and getting feedback and, and continuing to update it. At, at the same time, she was defending her PhD. And she, we published that document in eight months from the time she started working on it, which is, it's, it's just astounding. Um, so yeah, at the Seattle event in what, 2019, I think, we, we officially went public with this thing. And I had also started to create these, this concept of professional memberships within our, our Low Carb USA organization, because I've, I understood that there was, that was a requirement, there was a need for, for these people to have a legitimate place to be. But it was it was never really that it was just never the right place for it. And um, Trocolasian, who's part of the Low Carb MD podcast crew, he and he and uh, Dr. Brian Lenskes, he started writing stuff on on um, social media about we need to have a, a, a professional, a nonprofit prof professional organization. And I wrote to him and I said, Tro, like, dude, like, I'm already trying to do that. Let's let's meet and talk about how we, what we need to do to change what I'm doing, to make it better and make it more legit and, and get more people in. And so we chatted and chatted and chatted and, and eventually decided that what we really needed was a proper registered nonprofit organization that was just established as this professional organization and environment for any practitioner who wants to either practice this or, um, or learn about it um, if they're not open, if, if they don't, if they don't totally agree, or they they're not confident enough yet, then there needs to be an official place that that they know they can come and know that they're going to get the the right information and the correct information and not some bullshit that they that they get off the internet, you know. Um, and so so this so we I started doing it. I I registered the nonprofit and I got a quote and I started 
building the website. Um, and the idea is that the provider list that we have that that enables people to search for a provider in their area that uh, that is open to this conversation. So they're not going to say, ah, just put you on a statin, you know. Um, so the provider list is going to migrate over. The clinical guidelines is going to migrate over from Low Carb USA to now be have a real home uh, in uh, in this nonprofit. Um, and we're also hoping that, you know, now that this comes and we, we get it so much, we definitely will get a whole lot more exposure to it now with uh, some of the really, you know, like Low Carb MD, you've got millions of, of downloads and all of that kind of stuff. So when they start talking about it, so many more people than have even heard of Low Carb USA are going to come and take a look. They can put their information in there. So hopefully, like almost overnight, we're going to, I, I'm hoping by an order of magnitude and even orders of magnitude, like increase the size of that provider database for people around the world. And anybody can put their information in there. Um, and so just grow this community of, of providers that are, that are, so anybody that's doing keto now, they're, they're, you ask almost all of them will tell you that their biggest hurdle is to find a doctor that actually will support them. That's the hardest thing. And, but most of the doctors, most of the doctors still got their heads in the sand. But there's a lot of doctors that already realize that this has got, this is important, but it's not standard of care. So they won't tell their patients about it because they're afraid. Yeah. This is going to give them the, the, the backup that they need to, to go out there and be, um, and be confident to, to start talking about it. Um, I, I was on a meeting earlier today with the, with the, the lass that's doing the, the website and we were hoping to already be starting to test it. Hopefully by the end of this week, we'll be testing it. But another week into November, we, we do, we're going to do like a soft launch with like people in our community that, um, that have been so uh, supportive of us. Like we're going to push it out to them first and let them take a look at it and give us some feedback and look for typos and broken links and all that kind of stuff. And so maybe by the middle of, middle of November, we will officially launch it. And uh, I almost forgot the most important thing with this is that what we've done is define um, a series of pathways to achieve accreditation so that when, when a pr pr practitioner becomes accredited, they will have a, an SMHP accredited badge on their profile that so people can see there'll be a, a filter as well on the provider list for SMHP accredited providers. So we'll just find them, but they will also um, be able to, to use the credentials MHP after their name. So that uh, I, to me, that is like, just, I believe going to be um, the most amazing thing. And, and all of this happening, we're gonna, they're gonna have forums in there now where they can have these discussions where it's gonna be properly documented. And, and as those discussions grow, that keeps building our database of, um, of dis, like talks and discussions that, that form the consensus so that, um, you know, and all the feedback that's gonna come from all these clinicians into what we still need, how we need to change the guidelines 
So we will keep updating those guidelines as, as we get feedback from these discussions. Um, and yeah, down the road, fairly shortly, I would imagine that we would, we would have a standard of care that, that would stand up in court. Um, and that's pretty special, I think. This is huge, Doug. This is massive. And I think um, for people that are listening that aren't uh, 100% sure about what's going on here, it's, I suppose the layman term is that now there's a, now there's a place where medical professionals and yet, like non-medical professionals can do the certification as well, yeah? Correct. There, there's a different pathway for them, but yes. So, and and we, need, we need those coaches. The, the doctor talks to their patient, convinces them they need to, to change their lifestyle, but they, they can't coach them. So we, now, we need um, qualified and accredited coaches now. That, that, so they're all part of this community. So it's not, it's not, a, a, um, it's not like a, a closed doctors-only group, right? Because the doctors are the ones that know the least about this nutrition thing anyway. So um, it's about anybody that, that wants to, to contribute in some way to helping other people um, to learn about this and adopt it in their lives. Well, I'm hoping, Doug, uh, by the time that this episode comes out, that your website will be live, and I'll be able to. If it is, I'll post it uh, in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, as soon as as soon as it is. In fact, what I'll do is um, as soon as it goes uh, soft launch live, like where where it's actually on the. You know, we're not promoting it though. As soon as we have that soft launch, though, I'll I will include you in that. And that group of people that get invited to check it out. So then, and then yeah, feel free to share that, uh, share that because that'll be the main, the main live URL. And you, uh, uh, um, in fact, now if people go there now, it's metabolicpractitioners.org. Um, but right now, all it is is a, um, a form to fill in to say, hey, I'd like to learn more about this. And so basically what we do is we, every now and then we, we send an email out to that group saying, this is where we are. Sorry, we, we said we would be done by the end of November, but it looks like it's going to push out a little bit. Um, so we keep people updated. And then once it is live, those people will be included in that soft launch group as well. So they'll get first access to it. So, um, so metabolicpractitioners.org. Yeah. So. What what type of individual would you encourage to be a part of this? To sign up to do the to- oh, okay. Well, so there's so there's two parts. There's we, we we one of the big things that we're going to be doing is providing education, like a bunch of free education, to to the to Joe public. So there will be a little bit of of coaching about how to do the ketogenic diet and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the majority of it was something that I hadn't even thought about until our education committee sort of came up with it. But what we really need is outreach stuff. Like, so if people want to learn about this, if they've heard about it and they're not sure, they want to come and find the genuine article. If they want to come and learn genuinely what this is about and why it might be a good thing for them personally or in their practice, then they should come and take a look at the website and there will be this, this stuff and we will try and develop more and more stuff that that's innovative that will that will reach the people like I was before I heard about ketones, right? And about these doctors that refuse to acknowledge that it, that a ketogenic diet may be an option. 
Um, so that's one group of people that, that should come is anybody that's heard of keto that wants to learn more about it, what it really is. Um, but then from a practitioner point of view, once, once you, once you want to become a practitioner, you, first of all, for free, you can put your information into the database. But all that's going to do is, is list you in that, in that thing. People can search and find someone in your zip code or city or whatever. Um, they'll be able to pull up your profile. They'll be able to contact you and, and uh, engage you, you know, make an appointment or whatever. Um, but uh, what was I saying? So now... Um, Gone blank, like I said I would. Um, <laughs> mind me what I, I think mind you did what really I well to last that long. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, where was I going about the um, about who who can join up? Like what the and then oh, you right? Then yeah. So 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 practitioners um, from from the the orthopedic surgeon like Gary Fatke and uh, a bariatric surgeon like Dr. Rob Sivas, who's on our board. You know down to a regular G, a GP, um, down to registered dietitians, nutritionists, um, keto coaches, sports uh, coaches and stuff who have taken on this concept of changing their diets or, or at least encouraging a lot of their, of their um, clients uh, to adopt this, this thing, especially the endurance athletes, but more and more and more, High intensity um, athletes are starting to understand that um, they can get at the very least they can get the same performance uh, on a ketogenic diet. But so yes, their performance is the same, but they are now infinitely healthier. They're not they're not metabolically sick. Yeah, you know, because you can be a high performing athlete and still be metabolically sick. You haven't dropped dead yet, but you are on your way, right? Um, so now you get someone performing at the same level, but now they are metabolically healthy as well. And so they will continue to be. And as they stop their, their high, you know, especially if they're competitive and that, they stop competing and, you know, um, back down on, on all the exercise that they're doing or a lot of the exercise that they're doing, they will continue to, to be healthy and, and live a long life, hopefully. There's so many used to be elite athletes who are have died young who are terribly sick um and you know we we're hoping to to try and avoid that so anybody that wants to be a, a coach like that 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 sees that hey maybe i want to introduce this maybe exclusively i only want to coach people who want to do the keto diet right i only want to keep coach runners that do the keto diet or i see it i see it it could be good for a bunch of them so I at least want to learn about it so I can offer this as an option to them. Keto coaches, we need so many of them um, to, to teach people how to do this keto diet so that when they become aware of the fact that they can get better, they can get off their meds, all of that stuff that their doctor tells them, um, most people are, are not able to just go and look up on the internet on how to do a keto diet and just do it. Um, most people need a lot of guidance and some people need, um, you know, active handholding. And we have at least one and probably more down the road of mentoring type programs as well, where it involves a, a live coach and stuff like that. Um, so, um, you know, there's uh, anybody, that's why we're calling it practitioners as opposed to 
physicians or clinicians or anything like that because it's it's not only for them it's for everybody that wants to practice this concept of um therapeutic carbohydrate restriction it's so inspiring doug i i the timing of this this podcast is really just so profound in my own life um you know like i said it's been it must be over two and a half years now since I started down a, initially doing a ketogenic diet and, and like you have um, removed more and more plants and, and really for two years have been on this this car- dirty carnival, right? And you, it's really hard to, to explain to people that haven't got any exposure to it. Sometimes you grapple from a credibility point of view because like uh, I, I'm not don't have a medical background you don't have a medical background you come from an engineering background i think you used to work for motorola for many years making mobile phones or cb radios roger that 10 big daddy television set top boxes yeah there you go right so what 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 do you know about low carb and it's and it's having that layer of credibility where you can go actually mother flipper yeah (laughs) yeah and and you know that that's the thing is that even if the doctors as as a whole, knew so much about this nutrition thing, which they most of them don't. Um, there's no reason why me, as an engineer who thought very seriously about becoming a doctor when I was when I was young, right? There's no reason why I can't read the same textbooks that they read at college about any any subject, let alone nutrition, and and understand and be as well-versed in in that physiology or whatever as the doctor. If I put the time in and I learn it, I I can know as much, if not even more, than than a doctor on that particular subject. And so um, it, it's the same with this. We we we, we I, I, I'm really ha- trying ha- trying to work with the doctors to be um, to be open to the fact that other people other than them can know a lot about this. And in fact, a lot of the times, the ones that the good ones that, that are embracing this understand that they can learn so much from, you know, I mean, look at all the people that are doing amazing research now. Uh, Ivor Cummins, Dave uh, Feltman, um, the list goes on and on. Those guys are not, those guys are, are engineers and scientists. Yeah. They're not doctors. And, and that what the doctors often forget is even this medicine that they, even the even the medics the the because what they do most of them what they do is they just prescribe medicines right to for for any particular condition, but even those medicines were developed by some scientist in a lab, not by a doctor, for the most part, right? So everything that they everything that they prescribe and le- have learned about was inv- was worked out by at some point for the most part, you know somebody that wasn't a doctor. And yet they accept that. But when uh, Dave Feldman comes along and says, hey, maybe you should you know, look at cholesterol a little differently, it's like, what do you know? You're just an engineer. You know? Yeah. Um, one of the most prominent guys in uh, the type 1 diabetes field, um, um, and his name's escaped me for, for a minute right now, and I, I apologize to him for that, but he's the head of type 1 GRIT, which is a... a a Facebook group that focuses on type one diabetes and they uh, use Dr. Bernstein's uh, teachings in that. And, but he was a, talk, a speaker at our very first 2016 event. 
And he is a rocket scientist. He's <laughs> genuinely, genuinely a rocket scientist, right? It's awesome. Um, and um, he got up on the stage and he talked about all of this work. And since since then, he's had papers published and all sorts of stuff about the work that they've done for type 1 diabetics in this in this field. And he brought his son up onto the stage. And the reason that he had learned all about this was because his son was type 1. And they were telling him to eat a bunch of carbs and just take all this insulin. And, and you know, this is taught him this is the progression. You'll you'll slowly but surely keep increasing the insulin dose over, over, over your life and whatever. And he refused to accept that. So he went and started studying. And now when he brought his son up onto the stage, like he showed a graph and he's the guy's glucose is just like it's just like flat you know, on a, on a, um, and the guy now he's what uh four or five years older now he's 17 years old or something he's playing football he's he's doing all of these kinds of things that he, as, a, as a youngster his dad was told he would never be able to do um yes he has to take a little bit of insulin some we need some insulin to 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 function right but he He's got uh, type one, what's his name? Type one Berger, uh, Andrew Berger is the guy that came at, to our event a couple of years ago. And he's talking about, he was on over 200 units of insulin when he started the, doing, doing the ketogenic diet. And then he got down to about, um, to about 20 when he came to our event. And then he learned from Dr. Ben and he started doing Dr. Ben's workouts. He's now down to like three, you know, and he, he comes here to, like we had him over here for lunch and that, and he brings his little bag of insulin and stuff and he puts it in the fridge. He, he, you know, he's a type one. He has to be, he has to be aware all the time that something can happen. But, you know, I, I, in all the, I've seen him, I've seen him go and get a, a unit of insulin once in all the times that we've been together in that. Um, and that. And, and other than that, he doesn't, he doesn't need more than a couple of units a day. Um, you tell a type one or tell any doctor that's worked with type ones a couple of years ago that that was even vaguely possible, and they would they would flatly deny that it's that it's possible. And yet this guy's done it, you know. So anyway, I talk a lot. Sorry, <laughs> no, no, um, this is I actually brilliant. talk very little until I start talking about this, and then it's like <laughs> then the floodgates uh, open, right? <laughs> this is the whole this is the whole point because this will help this will help a lot of people, Doug. I promise you that. And I heard a great quote yesterday from a, a friend of mine, Vin Jang, who um, I think he borrowed this from someone else. I can't I can't quite remember. Um, the quote is: "Reality is negotiable," and and I just love that because given what's happened in the world for the, you know, the last year, mm-hmm. um, everything's on the table. And the fact that that if, if you can allow yourself to be open-minded to understanding or believing something that might be the polar opposite of what you've been told your entire life, mm-hmm. then that's the greatest position to be in and, and removing the, the blinkers. Um, I had to do it out of necessity, and it's opened up Pandora's box for me, and I now have this burden of responsibility where I'm making it my life's mission to be the world's most influential motivational speaker. And it's going to tie in with a lot of this stuff because I feel truly, Doug, that I can or, or that human beings can reverse and mitigate 
most of the problems in the world through diet. I I would I would second that for sure. It's um it's 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 incredible. Um, and even some of the acute things um, might well not appear at some point if if the, the person is is metabolically healthy that they are more resistant to it or whatever. Um, so you know even the, the incidences of of, of acute um, conditions and diseases may even come down over time if everybody started to eat right. I really I believe that. And and I suppose like I had uh, Dr. James Mukey on the on the podcast earlier this year, who's the current Australian of the year. I'm sure he'll probably get involved with the low carb um, down under or low carb USA at some point because he's a he's doing a lot of work regarding trying to get the dietary guidelines changed in Australia because um, he's a, an eye surgeon, an ophthalmologist, who's um, sick of operating on type two diabetics that are going blind because of their diet. Right, and, and so he's 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 involved with Peter, Professor Peter Bruckner, and I think Paul Mason to some extent, um, Gary Fitke as well. I think uh, mm-hmm. so. Like, and he was he was talking about that Australia, like probably like the UK and the US, we're on track to spend a hundred percent of our GDP on type two diabetes by the year twenty thirty nine, which is nine less than nineteen years from now, <sighs> right? No, and and if people, if you put a dollar value on that, maybe that might shock a few people into doing something about it, um, because that's not a sustainable business model. The whole country is going to go bankrupt. You know, like mm-hmm. we'll, that will descend into anarchy. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's true. But I also feel like so many people have their heads in the sand, and you and you, and you throw out huge numbers like that, and and it just goes like straight over their heads. You know. Um, it, it's not it's not personal enough it's not real enough and i feel like unfortunately people have to have a personal scare you know before they before they will consider it uh, right now you know down the road hopefully it's like smoking where everybody's taught that that's it's accepted that this is the way you need to eat if you if you don't this is what's going to happen to you and then some people will still eat like that and that but that's okay it's their choice um but we need to. Everybody needs to be brought up with the understanding that carbs are poison, and they're not. They're not necessary. Like Rob Sivers says it all the time. Like there is, there are two macronutrients, protein and fat. He said there is zero requirement for carbohydrates in, in our system. Yeah. Zero. And so, um, it's it's just it's just. It's just a poison. It's, uh, that's that's how I see it. You reminded me with uh, Dr. Robert. You mentioned um, off camera about his, you know, public um, uh, challenge with sugar, and mm. you know, being in in some of the most strictest, stringent lockdown uh, requirements in the world in Melbourne here for the last three months. Um, I fell off the wagon at times with regards to sugar and it's mainly ice cream is my thing because I still see it as like kind of carnival because <laughs> it's got the cream <laughs> in it. But, yeah. it. but because because I was so active, I could destroy an entire litre, which is like a pint and a half, I think, um, yeah. in your terms, and a bag of like Cadbury Flakes ground over the top, you know, and uh, and not and not be the size of a house. But, but 
I, I, it makes me feel so terrible because there's the shame and the guilt and the not practicing what I preach and the, and then obviously the blood sugar fluctuation. So I've right. tried a few different things, but I've I've almost finished reading Alan Carr's Easy Way. Uh, it's called Good Sugar, Bad Sugar, and it's and it's the Alan Carr, the guy who wrote the Easy Way Stop Smoking book, not not the comedian A double L E N Carr. Uh-huh. And and I found it very helpful. He he promotes uh, eating fresh fruit, fruit and vegetables. He died about twelve years ago, um, and so I don't think he had an opportunity to catch up to where we're at now with this low carb stuff because mm-hmm. um, he recommends you know eating less meat and stuff. But if you can put that part out of your mind and focus on the psychology or the neuro linguistic programming component of the book. It's it's been really powerful because I gave up smoking six years ago after listening to his book. Wow! Okay. And 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 it removes the craving component. Um, so for smoking, I haven't even come close to relapse. I've no interest in it. Um, and I've been able to do that with all my addictions: drinking, gambling, drugs. You know, I've removed the the desire, and I know that I will conquer the sugar. Um, and it seems to be abstinence makes the heart grow fonder with this stuff. Um, and the only way you can really do that is on a, a carniv- you know, carnivore-style sti- diet. Yeah, com- complete. Uh, and Rob, Rob talks about that a lot as well. I mean, he, he treats all his patients as addicts. And, um, you know, it's like you don't tell an alcoholic, you know, I just, just have one beer a night or something. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You, you, and you, everybody, he laughed. That, that's... Everybody thinks that's stupid. Who's going to tell an alcoholic to have a beer a night? You know, just, yeah. just one in moderation. Um, you just can't. You know, if if you're not a carb addict and you genuinely can have a bowl of ice cream once a month or something on a special occasion or whatever, then go have at it. You know, but most people are, to some extent, carbaholics, sugar addicts. And it's a slippery slope. And once you t- once you do it once, and you think, ah, you know, I did it already. So what's another one or whatever? And the next minute, you're talking yourself into it, and without even some, suddenly you realize, shit, I'm I'm eating, I'm eating one of these tubs of ice cream like every night now. Yeah. And um, how did that? Ha- when did that happen? <laughs> um, so uh, and, and that's the addiction part of it, you know, uh, and. So if you genuinely know that you're not addicted and you can genuinely have a cheat thing, whatever, every now and then, then go for it. But uh, most of us are not like that. And so just not being prepared to eat it at all is, is, is the best way to make sure over the long period that you sustain it. Yeah, and I think people, people are worried about the implications of social, the social impact, you know, not, not because there's such an emotional tie with food and family and this other stuff. And, and if you, as soon as you develop the courage to make the decision, you, um, people slowly come around and then they, because they see that you're thriving, they start asking questions and more often than not, they'll get on board at some point, right? You're right. Um, when, I, when I did that period of lion diet earlier this year, I started to introduce honey. And at first, it was a little half a teaspoon. And within three weeks, I was eating half a kilo of raw honey and the honeycomb a day. Wow. And um, like half a kilo of like, I don't know, 80, 90% carbohydrate food. It was, can you imagine the roller coaster of blood sugar and like, <laughs> that, that, 
Yeah, no, that's that's a slippery slope for sure. But you see, like I said, it's it's, it's that same thing. Like you, you have a little bit to start with, and then you look back and think, how am I eating half a kilo a day? When did that happen? Yeah, you can't even. You probably can't even remember how that happened. It was like that. It was yeah. like oh, because because um, I was in phenomenal shape and I was exercising a lot, and and I felt it, you seem to feel really good um, when you start reintroducing stuff. Uh, but then all of a sudden you you know you fast forward six weeks and you've put on all the weight and some and you're not running as much you're starting to get sore like and yeah. it's like, oh man like raw stuff. honey as well <laughs> yeah so I think Doug we should find a place to wrap this up this has been a, a, a brilliant conversation and I'm so grateful that you've you've been involved with this initiative and i and i really look forward to being able to engage with you in the future and and uh we'd love to be involved with this this um the secret society of metabolic health practitioners <laughs> it's not it's not secret it's just it's, it's like it's the stone cutters or the masons and um but we want to we want to get it out there as much as we can um is there anything that you'd like to f- to finish on before we before we wrap this up um i don't know you know i think uh, I, I, I'd like to go back to what to what you said, maybe about peer pressure and all of that. You know, um, just to encourage people that, and especially now we're coming up to the holidays and stuff. You know, and in the in the US we've got uh, Thanksgiving in November and then Christmas in in December, and it's like, you know what? If if you really have to, if you can't, if you I would I'd say don't go intending to cheat. Right? Go go with a plan. Go with a like a pocket full of biltong or, or macadamia nuts or or uh you know something like that that you that you can nibble on um if you if you tempt it or whatever. But at the end of the day if you have a piece of cheesecake or I don't know some mashed potatoes or whatever then don't don't beat yourself up just go home and um you know, start the next day and, re- and and get back on the horse, but don't don't let the holidays don't let it you get so freaked out because that's like cortisol and and stress and all of that kind of stuff is 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 also a huge impact on your health, right? So if you are so stressed about going to your Christmas dinner, that okay, so you don't eat any <laughs> you don't eat any carbs, but like the cortisol through the roof and 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 you've done yourself problems, some may possibly even more damage than if you're just eating the damn mashed potato, you know? Um, so yeah, just, uh, I, so that's one thing about, about the holidays, but I, I hear so many people where they struggle, they struggle because they, they get it. They read about it. They think I need to do this. It's going to help me. But then they, they fail because their parents, their siblings, their friends and unfortunately their doctors all tell them that they've been stupid and then and they're going to kill themselves or whatever, something to that effect. Yeah. So I encourage those people to seek out Facebook groups, organizations like ours, and find a community of people that that believe believe in it and that will support you. And they will answer you the way you can ask questions and you're not going to be told, oh, you're going to die. Um, <laughs> they, they, they will answer, you know, answer your questions, explain why you're having trouble with whatever, 
Um, and and we talked about it earlier in in, in the discussion. You know that, that that somehow this community of people are a special breed, and everybody wants if once they realize how much good it's done for them, they feel compelled. I think it was the word you used. They feel compelled to 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 help other people with it, and so nobody will will everybody will give you the time of day. To, to, and so, but you need to find those communities. Active, that's something you need to actively do is find a community, find a Facebook group that, that supports your lifestyle or your intended lifestyle, and then you will be successful. Don't let, don't let your family and your friends and your doctors pull you down and, and pull you back into the gutter. To, you know, I think that would be, that, 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 that's the thing that I've, that's made me the saddest uh, is, is seeing people who get who find the answer, understand that it can uh, that it can help them, but in the end they are not able to sustain it because of the lack of support from their from their surroundings. So please get some help. We're all here to help you. Write to me if you have to, um, you know. But find someone that's going to support you. Love that, Doug, and, and I can't help but feel like I want to contribute a little bit more to that as well, like the the feeling that you will get when you are brave enough to make the decision to say no, and if it even means keeping people, you know, even family members out of your life or at an arm's length while you are making the most of this, you need to do it. Mm. You need to do it because how good you'll feel and how good you'll look will be undeniable and you will be a leader and a role model within your circle of community and your life will never be the same again. Yeah. In a good way. And hopefully then you can be that person that helps someone else who's in that place that you were a little while back, right? 100%, 100%. Um, Doug, this has been wonderful. We can, we can find you through lowcarbusa.org. Nocarbusa.org is is the, is the place to go. Yeah, so we um, YouTube as well. We've got a ton of of videos and stuff. Our podcasts, our, our we've you know we've got a podcast as well. Um, so there's a Low Carb USA podcast. You search for Low Carb USA on YouTube, um, and and on Facebook, and on Twitter, um, and on and on Instagram. So yeah, it's Low Carb USA on everything. <laughs> and it's .org, not .com. Correct, correct. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Reynolds. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training where I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.